Amen. Well, you know, the series that we're on just now through summer is really focused around the Psalms. We've called it Songs for Summer, and all of the Psalms really are, are songs that would have been used by the people of God and have been used by the people of God all the way through our history and our heritage songs that have helped us to worship, to pray, uh, to express sorrow and grief. Uh, there's uh, songs for every kind of human experience and emotion that we have. I'm thinking on this weekend, there's a big uh, concert uh, festival down in, in Glasgow called Transmit. And, uh, you know, all of the songs that are, are written have a story behind it. And some of the artists that are, are there and are performing share some of the, the songs, uh, the story behind the songs. And that's no different in the book of Psalms. But behind every one of these songs is a, is a story of the life of someone or someone's and the ways in which God has intervened or where God has been present. And, and today we're going to look at, at Psalm 62. And really this is, a, this is a kind of soul music song. I mean, this speaks to the depths, perhaps even the places that we can't, can't even express what it is we feel. But we, we know in the depths of our soul how we are. And we're not sure how to cry out. But we know our soul needs something because of whatever it is that is happening around us. And so this is a song that is for our soul. And I hope that as we go through it, that as we think about the story behind this, because it's a human story. It's not just the story of David. This is a psalm of David. But it's a human story that somehow in the places when we feel most as if we are under attack or as if we are low down, that in God we find rest and strength and hope for our soul. The story of David, if we were, if we were thinking about what part of David's life this psalm might reflect, then it probably is... One of the stories about David being under attack, being under assault, and that was not an unfamiliar reality for David to have people who wanted to bring him down, who were plotting his downfall. You go to Saul in 1 Samuel or Absalom in 2 Samuel. Absalom was David's son. Saul was the king prior to David who David would succeed. And because in some ways of, of David's Success, they wanted to bring him down. They were plotting to pull him down. He faced often real threat, real danger. David was familiar with storms of life. And in the midst of these realities, when he was confronted with the threat, the real threat from others, the Psalms talk about his turmoil, his anguish, his anxiety. His soul is in conflict. His soul is in, in trauma. His soul is in sorrow. His soul is weary. Those inner places that we're not quite sure how to express, but we know when we feel conflicted or sorrowful or weighted or burdened or uncertain. David knows what it means to be overwhelmed by the storm of life. What do we do when we feel that same kind of soul to David? Well, I'm going to jump to the New Testament first because there's always an invitation 
from God, the one who is the shepherd of our souls. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, simply makes this invitation. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You know, it's just a reality that in a, in a congregation of this size, there are always going to be some of us who, whose souls are unsettled or restless or anxious or weighted or overwhelmed. And I want you to hear these words of Jesus before we go into this psalm. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened, overwhelmed, and let me give you rest. Come to me and you will find rest for your soul. So David's song is a response to this weighty soul that he carries, overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. So let's just take it through maybe a couple of verses at a time. Verses one and two. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. Now, there's a word in here in the original Hebrew that can mean two different things. Uh, in some translations, it translates the word ak, truly. So the Hebrew word is ak, and it can be translated truly, or it can be translated only or alone. Similarly, there's a word in here in the Hebrew, demaya, which can mean find rest or wait silently. And both are possible. And so the NIV, it translates, truly my soul finds rest in God. So this is a, this is a statement of certainty. Surely, truly, this is the truth. If you're struggling and overwhelmed in your soul, the place to find rest is in God. It's true, it's sure. And then the other translation is that only alone in God will you find rest for your soul. Or in the silence with God, when it's just you and him, you alone will find rest for your soul. So it's true, but, but it's also only that we find rest for our souls. Now, I say that because in our society, in our culture, in our world, in our lives, there are a million and one places that we can go to to seek to find rest for our souls. Uh, I'm one who enjoys a good spa like any other. And for a few moments, it may feel like we feel at rest. But there is a soul rest that we long for that only, only comes from God. That's the truth. And while there may be something of the restful rhythms of a spa, there is something that only God can do to the soul of a man or a woman. And it's found only in him and often in the quiet places with him, in the places of prayer, where in fellowship with God, he is able to bring rest for our souls. So actually my favorite translation of this would read someone like this, based more on the Hebrew, truly my soul finds rest in God alone. 
As I wait silently, there my salvation, that which I need from God, comes from him. So much noise around. So much noise. So much activity. Everything's on the go. But it is in the retreating into the quiet, silent places where we wait. Let me tell you, soul rest cannot be rushed. When we're overwhelmed, even to the depths of our soul, we can't just rush in and out of God. There needs to be a discipline of waiting, of praying, of seeking, of being in those quiet places where we give God space to bring rest to our souls. It takes time. The posture of waiting on good, on God, will lead to the presence of resting in God. The posture of waiting on God leads to the presence of resting in God. And so when we're in a storm, like David, we need to retreat to find those places where we can find soul rest with God. For that's where our soul is quietened, silenced, settled. And I want to share my, uh, some of my own story of, of this. One of the earliest times that I remember this was in a storm in, in our lives as a family. Uh, Lucy was only four years old. She uh, had been ill and was in hospital. She ended up in hospital for a month. It took them a long time to work out what was wrong. She was in a lot of pain. Um, she just lay in uh, the hospital bed. We felt helpless and powerless. There was nothing we could do. It seemed that the doctors weren't coming up with any solutions or diagnosis. And meanwhile, Lucy just lay there, quietly suffering. And we, Carolyn and I, we would take turns in, in being in the hospital room and uh, staying overnight. And just we would just pray. And I remember this one night, really, when I, we were feeling overwhelmed because they, there was no progress being made. And Lucy was uh, asleep, and I just brought her up onto my, my lap as, as I began to pray. And I prayed, I have no idea how long I prayed for. And sometimes in my prayer that night, there, there weren't even words. I would just say, Jesus, God help me, God help us. And, and I, I found myself putting my arms around Lucy and just laying my hands on her, on her tummy where all the, the, the pain was and just praying, God, take the pain. God, give her what you need. Give her what she needs. Give her what she needs. And then I began to say, Lord, give us what we need. And as I was praying, in the quietness and the silence of, of this room, I felt as if there were another set of arms that came around from beyond me. And it was almost as if God was saying to me, and as you hold your child, so I hold you. Now, there was no solution to Lucy's problem in that moment. But what did I experience? Rest from my soul. The overwhelmedness of the frantic praying, which was, which was part of what I needed to get out, was replaced instead with soul rest. Now, thanks be to God, they found out what the problem was, and there's a whole other story there of a, a miracle, but, um, but in the moment of the storm, my soul found rest in God alone, 
in the quietness of waiting in him when I had run out of words to pray. My soul finds rest in God alone. He's my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I will never be shaken. Friends, when David writes these, <clears throat> he's making us very personal. I know he's God. I know he's the rock. <clears throat> I know he's salvation. But he's my rock. He's my rock, my fortress, my salvation. This is personal. You've got to make this yours. I can't make it real for you. You can't discover the reality of this by virtue of another person. You have to make this God, this Jesus, real for you so that you too can know him as my rock, my salvation, my fortress, so that I, I will never be shaken. You've got to pursue it for yourself. I can't do it for you. And another can't do it for you. Only you, my God, the one who is all of these things. And David had made it his. He knew that God was his rock, his salvation. In fact, David, is, David was familiar with rocks. He, he often had to find physical refuge and safety in rocks. If you go to 1 Samuel and you were to read chapters 22 through to 26, you'll find David seeks out a lot of rocks and caves for his own safety as he's being pursued by others. And so in 1 Samuel 22, he's in the cave of Adullam. In 1 Samuel 23 and 26, he's in the hills and the rocks around the desert of Ziph. In Samuel 24, he's in the crags of the Engedi. In Samuel 25, he's in the hills of Paran. He's used to rocks and caves. He knows their strength, their security, and their safety. And he compares God to these places. He must run to God, who is his rock and his salvation. That's where he'll find soul rest. I wonder if in those crags and in those rocks, when he was looking for his own physical safety, there also was where he found his soul rest with God. In his writing of the psalm, it's the Lord who is his rock. It's God's presence in the waiting and the seeking. He makes it his own. Nobody else can do it for you. Just you and God as you seek him. Now Psalm 62 and Psalm 63, the one immediately after it, probably were always read together. And they're often taken together. And this seeking of God, this finding rest for our souls is reflected in, in a different way in Psalm 63, which begins like this. Psalm 63, one says, you God are my God. See it? Personal. We've got to make it personal. Earnestly I seek you or early I seek you. That word earnestly actually is better translated more literally early. So if you're earnest about seeking, you're going to do early. You know, one of the greatest problems that we have in our walk with God is we leave it too late to get to God. We go through all other things to see if we can find rest for ourselves and for our soul. What the psalmist is saying in Psalm 63, get early. Get early to God in seeking him to find rest for your souls. There's all kinds of ways in which we miss the soul rest from God because we think 
we can manage it in another way, this overwhelmed soul. The psalmist says, early, early I seek you. Prayer, early in that sense of being overwhelmed. Don't make it a last resort. Don't make God your last resort, but your first resort. Well, he goes on, Psalm uh, 62, 3 and 4. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. So the psalmist begins with God. Early I seek him. And then thinks about what is going on in his life. I've read a couple of commentaries on, on this over the, the last week or so. And the one I keep going back, going back to is one in the late 1800s by Charles Spurgeon. This is what he says. It is always best to begin with God and then may we confront our enemies. Make all sure with heaven. Then may you grapple with earth and hell. Early I seek God so that in finding rest for my soul, I can wrestle out what's happening in earth and even in hell. Why? Because it's in the strength of God. And David knows what it is to be under attack, to be under assault. Again, the Hebrew literally says, how long Upon a person will you attack it. It's this picture of this everything. You ever experienced in life, it feels like everything has suddenly come on top of you. Things often come in waves, often in threes, it seems to be, where we feel as if everything is upon us, on top of us. That's what is meant here. As if everything is coming upon us. What feels like a persistent intent to topple us. And this can come from all kinds of places, attacks from people, attacks from the enemy, attacks from family. David was familiar with that, 2 Samuel 15 and 16. It's his son Abulam, who is Absalom, who is pursuing him. It can be colleagues, bosses, staff, who for whatever reason, it may feel that we are under attack from them. Sometimes I feel a little bit like I'm under cultural attack. You ever feel sometimes you feel like a stranger in a strange land? You know, we could have been shaped in the ways of the Lord, but our culture doesn't feel like that. And sometimes the wave of cultural change and shift feels like an assault at times. Under attack. The attack of the enemy of, of Satan who seeks to sow doubt and discouragement and condemnation and negativity. There's all kinds of ways in which we might feel under attack. Just why we need to get early to God to find rest for our soul so that we're better equipped for whatever that attack is, that storm in our life. But you know, as I was thinking about this assault attack and the storm that it causes in our life, for some reason, early in this week, I felt like 
God wants me to raise one area above the others. And that is for those of us who feel as if we have been under attack by others in the church. We've been hurt by the church. By other churches, by other Christians, by other places. Never mind anyone else in our family or in our workplaces. But for some of us, the wounds that we carry, the storms that we faced have been in the church. And I don't even mean recently, I mean in the past. Those of us who have been hurt by other brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's perhaps not only the most unexpected hurt, but it's also the most difficult one to recover from and heal from. When we've practiced everything that we thought we ought to as children of God, and we put into practice Romans 12, 17, and 18, which says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And we've tried to do that, but for whatever reason, we still haven't managed to repair or recover from the heart. Or Romans 14, 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Or Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. And we've tried to make every effort. But for whatever reason, we, we still were unable to repair damage or we were still under attack or we still carry hurt and if that's you this morning I, I, I want to say as the church we're sorry we know we're not perfect but if you've been hurt by the church we're sorry and even if that hasn't come from those who brought the hurt as the body of Christ, we're sorry. And we hope that somehow in this seeking of God, you'll find rest for your soul. And I know for myself, because in pastoral ministry, there's times where I am under attack and I try to follow through all the biblical advices that there are to seek the peace and to make every effort for peace. And it's not always enough for whatever reason. And there are things that happen that are said, that are spoken about, about me that I have to somehow learn to cope with and deal with. And if I don't seek God, then it will begin to eat me up from the inside out. And anger and bitterness will begin to creep in because my soul needs rest from God and healing. And so for whatever reason, I felt prompted to speak about that very specifically this morning. I, I hope even just by naming it, it will break something of whatever pain or hurt you may still carry. And I want to invite you again, revisit with God. Sometimes I've needed other people to come and pray with me at times of hurt, and we would be glad to do that with you. I've discovered that hurt people, hurt people, 
I don't want to become one of those heart people that heart other people. Instead, I want God's healing for my own life, for my soul to find rest when there has been attacks from other places. And so the psalmist comes back and he repeats again, verse five to eight, yes, my soul. It's like he's preaching to his soul. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God's. He is my rock, my refuge. My, my honor doesn't depend on <laughs> what anyone may or may not have said about me. It depends on God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. This is about finding hope in the storm, finding rest in the storm, and then finding hope in the storm. And hope is found in God alone. I hope, sometimes we mistake hope for hope in the expectation that our view of things will work out all right in the end. Do you know what I mean by that? We have a picture of how things should work and things aren't working that way. We have a view of how the outcome should be. And so what we do is we place our hope in the potential outcome of that event. Well, it'll be okay. This will work out this way because that's, that's what God will do for me. And what we do is we, we take God almost like, you know the little guy on the Google Maps when you want street view? And you kind of grab this little guy and you put him in and, uh, and, and into your other place. As, as if it's our responsibility to grab God, put him here and tell him to, what he needs to do in order to give us our expected hopeful outcome. Hope is not found in just reaffirming what we think the outcome should be. Hope is found in God, who may have a different outcome to the one that you want and expect. And he may need to drag you like a little Google Street View person and actually draw you over here. But in doing so, it will be in finding hope in God alone, just in God not in our anticipated, expected outcomes. Because when they don't work, then we feel hopeless. But when we find our hope in God, then hope rises, whatever the outcome. We find hope in God alone. And again, the psalmist David, he just keeps speaking the same truths over and over again. Speaking to himself, my soul, my soul, find rest in God alone, find hope in God alone. You ever preach to yourself? I preach to myself all the time. Preach to our soul, preach to our heart. My soul, find rest in God alone. That's where my hope comes from. Come on, Ian. My hope is found in God alone. And I speak out. Sometimes it's helpful for us to speak out loud the truths about God rather than just quietly into ourselves. There's something about the audible declaration of the truth about God that builds faith. Try it. Again, I can't make this yours. You've got to make it yours and make God yours. And countering untruths that we sometimes speak about ourselves and our life with truth about God. And, and, and 
he repeats it. It's almost like he's meditating. He repeats the same words over and over again. My God, my salvation, my fortress, my mighty rock, my refuge. This is my God. And sometimes in the storm, that's maybe all you manage. My God, my strength, my salvation, my refuge, my hope. Speak it out loud. Hear yourself saying it, declaring it. And then our expectations and perspective starts to shift. Why? Because our focus is on God, not on our expected outcomes. And faith rises in this seeking prayer that begins perhaps in quietness and silence or God stills us there in the rest. But then we begin to declare its truth. My God, my salvation, my rock, my stronghold my refuge. And then pour out your hearts to him. Open your heart before God. God already knows the depths of your heart, the despair that you hold there, the darkness you hold there. The Psalms are songs of every human emotion, every expression of the human heart. There's sorrow and anger and disappointment and despair and hatred and revenge and pride and grief and loss and depression and hopelessness. But when spoken and shared with the Lord, it becomes an honest prayer. And our truthful prayer leads to grace. And our confession leads to forgiveness. And our unburdening leads to comfort. Why do we store and hoard and hide and try and push down the stuff that corrupts the heart, the soul, the mind? that saps strength, that instead of pouring it out of our hearts to God. I've discovered that when I start to talking to God about stuff, it, it means I'm being real about that which I'm carrying in my heart and my soul. Pour out your hearts to God. And it's as we pour out our hearts, that honest, authentic prayer, the grace And forgiveness and comfort comes as we unburden. We pour out and God pours in. We pour out our hearts and God pours into our hearts. And the thing is, if we don't pour out, there's no room for God to pour in. Honest, authentic prayer, sharing the depths of our heart with God. Hope is found first in God, in his presence, in his perspective of things, not our perspectives. And as we pour out, God pours in and brings hope. And in all things, all storms, the psalmist says, trust in God at all times. That's not easy to do, but I think this progression from finding rest in that place where we might not have words to express, but we're just seeking God early and finding rest for our souls, then helps us to move into that calling out to God for his hope, just trusting in God and calling out in him. And as we pour out our hearts and he pours in, hope rises, faith strengthens, and trust endures. And so the psalmist goes on, surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed in a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. They do not trust 
Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. All, all the things that he's saying, don't, don't set your heart in, in, in people and politicians and personalities, celebrities, influencers. Don't even set them on pastors or possessions or pounds, everything I could think of beginning with P, but all, all loads of other stuff that we might put our trust in. Because in the balance, they're lightweights. But put your trust in God. And then finally, one thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, verses 11 and 12. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they've done. Rest, hope, and now strength for the soul. Power and love mingled together. God's power and love where we find strength in the storm. We're secure. We're safe in the storm. Anchored. I, I love that word. We're anchored in God in the storm. And when we're in that place with God where we're seeking him to find rest for our souls and hope for our souls, in that place, God speaks to us. God affirms us. We find fresh confidence and hope in God in who he is in his salvation and who he says we are. He is power. He is love. We begin to encounter him as, and his power and his love, which mingle together and by the Holy Spirit, he starts to minister to us in his power and his love, affirming us as sons and daughters and children who are loved by him. And he ministers power to us. When I am weak, Paul says, then I become strong. Why did he say that? Because it was God's power that is work within him. And it's in this early will I seek God where I will find rest for my soul, hope for my soul, and now strength for my soul that I am empowered by God's power. I am strengthened in his love as he ministers to me so that I will be able to say in the power of God and in the love of God, I will not be shaken. I may be moved around, but I'll be anchored in the power and love of God. And so I'll not be shaken. I'll not be shaken. That repeated phrase that we come over and we sang earlier on, I will not be shaken. It's literally, I will not be greatly moved. In other words, when we're in the storm, we'll feel like we are being moved as the winds blow and the waves come. But when we're anchored in this place of seeking and anchored with God and his power and his love, then we will remain secure and safe as it feels like we're moving around, but we will not be shaken. Here's what Spurgeon said about these verses. His personal weakness might cause him to be somewhat moved, thinking about David, but his faith would come to prevent any very great disturbance. Not much would be tossed about, moved as one says, but not removed. Moved like a ship at anchor which swings with the tide but is not swept away by the tempest. When a man knows assuredly that the Lord is his salvation, he cannot be very much cast down. 
it would take more than all the devils in hell to greatly alarm a heart which knows God to be its salvation. God is my rock and my salvation. God is my stronghold, my strong tower. God and God alone is the one in whom I find soul rest, where I find hope for my soul, where I find strength for my soul when my soul is overwhelmed. Truly, my soul finds rest in God alone. He is my salvation. Friends, how's your soul this morning? Does it feel overwhelmed? Are there things that are happening that sounds like a storm? Oh, there's a summer song for it. My soul finds rest in God alone. So Jesus says to you this morning, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. I'm going to invite the worship team to join us as we pray. And I, I do want to invite you for prayer this morning for whatever reason. It doesn't necessarily have to be in any way related to what we've spoken about this morning. Um, but we're going to have a prayer team that's uh, going to be over just to the right-hand side here in, uh, in front of the drums. And if you'd like to come for prayer this morning, if those who've been appointed to pray uh, for others this morning could come as we sing this song. That would be great. Just make yourselves available. Um, but as we sing, if you want to come for prayer for any reason, come and just join the prayer team down here. But let me pray just now. Would you stand with me? Yeah, Lord, I, I, I thank you for the times in my own life where in, in the storm, where I didn't even have words to express what was going on. Uh, even somehow my calling out or my silence when I went to you, I began to find rest for my soul. Lord, perhaps there's some here this morning, some of your children, some of my brothers and sisters who feel that overwhelmedness of spirit, of soul, not really too sure of how to move forward or how to find strength. Lord, it's in you. Come, Holy Spirit. Strengthen us as we seek you in these moments together, but also as some of us perhaps need to make that fresh seeking of you just now, so that our souls can find rest in God alone. And so people of God, look upwards to him. Whatever the storm is like just now, he wraps his arms around you so that you may find rest for your soul, that you may find hope in the midst of the storm, strength for your soul. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Let's worship together. And if you'd like prayer, come and join us at the front.